And welcome into episode number 25, MNCAA. Uh, joining with us, as always, for the last couple of weeks, Max Veach, Ryan Steak, Drew Cove, and Noah Grant. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. Uh, we are past the first couple of rounds here, gentlemen. Um, unfortunately, both uh, Marissa Voss and Alex Micheletti uh, not able to join us this week. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, some pretty good uh, topics ahead, um, at least for a couple of us in the room. Maybe not so much for, I say, half the room. Maybe that's fair. Um, let's start on a positive note. Um, let's start with, I suppose, the de facto CCHA representative and Ryan Stieg, uh, Minnesota State Mankato, punching their ticket as I think everybody Everybody uh, in this room had expected. And then Drew Cove, uh, the team that got hot at the right time and uh, has been making some noise. The Gophers into the Frozen Four. Um, I'm trying to remember, um, and maybe we'll start there. Uh, Drew, when was the last time that the Gophers made it to a Frozen Four appearance? 2014. It's been yeah. eight years. It's actually, I think uh, uh, I, I saw the last time that they advanced out of a regional that wasn't played in Minnesota as well. This is the first time since 2002, I believe, is that when, since that happened. So, um, nice. and obviously, if Gopher fans remember uh, 2002, um, you probably remember it fondly. Um, I don't know if you remember, but they did win the national championship that year um, at in at the Excel Energy Center in St. Paul. Main, so, right? Um, yeah. Yep. 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 It's, uh, it was a uh, yeah. The first the, the the overtime exciting one more than yep. kind of 2003 gets forgotten a little bit. Was that yeah, Kowalska so, that scored it? Matt Kowalska? Grant Patoni scored the O2 okay. winner. Yeah. Okay. It was Grant Patoni. Okay. Yeah. Forget, yeah. It was a rebound in the slot. The game the game tying goal in the last minute was a shot from the point that like found its way through. It was like a rebound that got kicked out. And both of them were actually kind of from the slot, but um, kind of interesting. I, I don't know why I'm going on a personal tangent here, but that was actually the first ever hockey game that I ever watched as a kid, like ever. And like I said, my dad, my parents grew up as Gophers fans. So, you know, I got to be a part of that. Didn't really know what was going on, obviously. But then it ended up being where I went to Team North Dakota for the CCM NIT tournament my senior year of high school for Team ND. And actually, uh, Grandpa Tonley came down and spoke to us. So it was kind of a surreal moment that, like, this guy who I had watched in my first ever hockey game ended up being, you know, a part of that kind of experience. So uh, hockey, small world, always is, always kind of comes full circle. But, yeah, crazy, crazy hockey game. Speaking of Forest Circle, the team that has missed their first Frozen Four since 2016, uh, the Bulldogs, uh, unfortunately, ran into, uh, well, arguably the NCHC's probably toughest opponent. Uh, Max, your thoughts? I mean, it was a, still a hell of a hockey game uh, between the Bulldogs and, and the Pios. It's just, unfortunately, uh, just not enough run support there for Ryan Fanti. Yeah, it was uh, an unlucky bounce or a bad bounce or whatever you want to call it that ended up uh, costing UMD that game, which is unfortunate based on you know how Fanti was playing, how the team was playing. Everybody that was was on the ice was wearing shots. I mean, the first two periods were, were pretty well dominated by Denver, but it was the same UMD defensive play that we saw for the good, better portion of the year against St. Cloud in the 47 save game that Fanti had against them. It was much more of the same there. So it was a, a storyline that didn't really make UMD fans nervous, despite how the game flow was really going, just because we've seen it so many times before. And unfortunately, they just they, they didn't get the bounce this time. So it was a bit of a heartbreaker um, sitting in front of some of the parents at the, the arena out there in Loveland. And I mean, it was it was shocking and silent by the time that the, the crowd quieted down after the goal there, because it was largely obviously Denver fans there. But uh, tough way to see a lot of those players go out, um, but a great season overall, I think. 
and then Edmonton swooping in very quickly to uh, to sign Ryan Fanti, although he won't be playoff eligible. So Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisett will ultimately <clears throat> fail in the first round because of the goaltending tandem that they have. Um, speaking of goaltending, uh, that had been a question mark for St. Cloud coming into this first round. And uh, unfortunately, you know, what ended up being publicly released the day of the game, uh, Noah, again, we, we, as far as media members, we were aware of this. We were aware of the pneumonia. Um, we were sort of hoping that, you know, the health would eventually turn around for David Rennick. Unfortunately, it did not. He was not medically cleared to play. Um, he was a emergency only option that game. So he was fully dressed. He was on the bench, but again, unless both, uh, David, uh, sorry, not David, that was the person on the bench, excuse me, unless, uh, Joey Lamoureux and also Jackson Castor, uh, were a essentially injured he was not allowed to participate in this hockey game and unfortunately for St. Cloud State fans it was uh another first round exit this time it wasn't against AIC so I guess that's kind of good yeah the Huskies played well uh, overall I think I uh, definitely gave themselves a chance to win that hockey game anytime you put a four spot up on a team especially a team that hadn't given up four goals besides doing it in back-to-back games in the regional tournament this year I uh, it was a good sign and I thought that albeit from the goaltending side, which you say what you want about it. it probably should have had, you know, two for sure. He, he probably should have had in that game, maybe three, if you want to stretch it to that. I, uh, you know, it's a team game. It takes 20 guys to try to win a hockey game and uh, the Huskies to their credit. I, I think uh, similar to kind of Max's point about the Bulldogs, if you're going to go out, go out on a high note, knowing that you put everything out on the table and, and it comes down to something that, either you can or can't control, but it, that's just hockey, right? You know, when you, when you put it to a one goal game, you give yourself a chance. Uh, Huskies definitely had their opportunities in the second and, and especially at the end of the third period there. Uh, but you know what? It, it, this team, unfortunately, just was not the team that found magic like they did last year. Uh, I don't know how they would have fared against Michigan, especially seeing the result against Quinnipiac, but we're never going to know. And that's okay. That's okay. I, it happens, and uh, the Huskies had a, you know, this group, most of them had a great run last year. They can always hang their hat on that, and a lot of the guys are going to be returning, so hopefully another kick at the can. For Michigan, they go on to win the Allentown Regional, will face Denver um, in the national semifinal. Um, the matchup that I think all of us were forgetting, we were hoping for uh, Western Michigan and Michigan still won't happen, as uh, the Gophers did take care of business and did the shutout against the Broncos. Uh Kind of a capping off a, a heck of a season, actually, for Western Michigan. The first ever NCAA tournament appearance. They do get their first ever win. Just ran into uh, a bit more of a more balanced squad with the Gophers. Uh, Drew, let's recap that regional final that uh, eventually led the Gophers to punch their ticket. Uh, no complaints this time from Bob Motzko on the turnaround time or the game start time, although I'm sure we'll figure that out in a couple of weeks. Um, your thoughts on the performance? Uh, again, the big guns. Um, that, you know, came through again for the Gophers in front and back, I guess. What are your thoughts on that hockey game? Yeah, I mean, you, you come into it a little bit more nervous than I think you think you, you want to be. Um, after On Saturday, you're kind of sitting there saying, okay, if you could just barely get out past a not, – not a bad UMass team, but not the national championship uh, caliber uh, UMass team that was last year. But, um, yeah, they came in, and they were they were firing on all cylinders right away. And, man, I – and that has to be one of the most complete games I think I've seen the Gophers play all year. Um, I mean, the, the next one maybe is the 8-0 win against Wisconsin at home to close out the regular season. But again, Wisconsin, Western, very, very different teams at this point uh, and the whole season. 
Um, but the Gophers just kind of, they smothered him. They, they kept him down. Um, they weren't, they kind of clogged up the neutral zone a lot. Uh, they were, they, they didn't necessarily get the same rush chances that I thought they would have to get to get, to get a lot of good goals. But, uh, um, man, when Matthew Nyes is like at the hash marks, basically like in, in the middle of the ice, man, is he just, good he's, luck. he's lethal. Like mm-hmm. you get the hit, get on the puck at any scenario. He could hold on to it for three seconds and he could be like, he could be just blocked or have his like he could even have his stick held and he'll still get a shot off that'll somehow go past the goaltender. I don't know how that works, but I mean he's he's Matthew Nyes. He's 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 kind of a he's a superstar in the making at this point. Um and uh the Gophers are really lucky to have him. They're really lucky to have him this weekend. And uh finally too, even though they didn't really uh not too many uh kind of flashy points, but uh, uh Blake McLaughlin and uh Sammy Walker kind of had a definite big impact, especially on the penalty kill. Um, in kind of uh, the defensive zone scenarios, those guys were really key into giving the Gophers energy. And when those guys are really on, those the uh, the, the team the team will find a way to win. Uh, yeah, it was just just a, a smothering effort. And uh, even when you thought, okay, maybe the tides are going to turn, the Gophers are going to slow down a little bit or give up or just kind of fall asleep for a period, didn't happen. And it was it was a, a really good sign, especially heading into this uh, uh, the matchup that. Um, Everyone, a lot. I mean, not everyone saw it coming, but a lot of people saw it coming and said, "Oh boy, this is going to be this is going to be the scariest one." I mean, they played North Dakota this year, they played St. Cloud this year. This is going to be the scariest one yet. Before we uh, actually, you know, talk about the Mavericks with Ryan, uh, if there is maybe some unfortunate news uh, around the Gophers, it actually has something to do with Chaz Lucius, uh, most likely not available for the frozen four can you fill in the listeners as to maybe some of the recent developments with the uh, the freshman yeah it sounds like he's got uh, a kind of a nagging injury too and he's not going to be he's not going to be back from it uh bob's usually pretty um hush about it but uh, kind of on his radio show this week it sounded like uh he's he, lucius doesn't really have a shot at being back um for for the for the time being especially against uh in the in the frozen four or against uh Minnesota State, but uh, I mean, surprisingly, it's 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 a talent that earlier in the season, I think, after you've seen how he performed uh, in, in in spurts throughout the year, you say, man, if the Gophers are going to miss a guy like that, man, they're going to they're they're really going to struggle. But this team right now is playing very complete, very deep, um, and I don't think, no offense to Chaz Lucius, but I don't think they're really going to miss him all too much in terms of just the way that they've been playing without him lately, and they've gotten so much time without him. Um, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's, it's not even going to be a transition really. I think it's just going to be a, another game of the same lineup that they've had success with in the last, uh, however many games, since the, the Michigan game, uh, that, the with the, with the one goal loss, but, uh, um, they've been, they've been relatively successful with this, the, with the lineup that they're rolling out there with right now. Multiple reports citing that it's a foot injury that requires surgery. Again, cannot confirm these reports, but that I've seen uh, through a couple of different outlets. Uh, but Ryan, as we move uh, to this matchup, uh, you'll be facing these golfers again in the national semifinal. Um, it was the farthest that uh, the Mavericks got last year. Um, hashtag tip Nolan Walker. I'm so sorry. But uh, at the end of it, um, this is a different Mavericks squad. Uh, they're on a mission this year. Uh, this is going to be their, uh, or probably their toughest, uh, you know, contest in quite some time on paper. Um, the Mavericks did take care of business themselves as we all expected. Uh, and they did it in, you know, Maverick fashion, a one, nothing shout out Dryden McKay shutouts, never, you know, two words that don't go together at all this season. Um, your thoughts on that matchup, uh, and what got them here to, uh, to, uh, 
appearance in Boston. Well, um, first they they got a big scare from Harvard in that yeah. first. Game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know that lead was very very secure. At least it appeared to be. You know, up three zero, and then just Harvard Harvard found some openings, took advantage of some mistakes, and. That turned into a blow, from a blowout to an actual thriller that you were wondering maybe could this upset actually happen? Is this a an old Minnesota State performance where we're used to them getting upset in the first round and have it all go by the wayside? But instead, they were able to pull through. The Notre Dame game was actually really one. Old games aren't really exciting per se because you're just like there's offenses just there, but. Notre Dame, I thought, looked good all the way through the game. They just couldn't solve McKay. That's what it really came down to. And uh, But I, I was impressed with not only with Dryden, but just the team overall. They got that one goal from Nathan Smith and just played lockdown defense the rest of the day. So it was, it was a fun game from that standpoint. You're watching a good team do what they've done all year, and that's just clamp down when they need to defensively. Um, and then... The Frozen Four, nice little rematch from last year that Mankato handled pretty easily, surprisingly easily, being in the Gophers in the regional final. But this one should be a lot more competitive. Um, I I really like the Gophers. I, the only time I've really seen them in person this year was that exhibition game against St. Thomas. And I know you can't really judge on an exhibition game, but just the talent on that roster was just – it was fun to behold. And I think it's going to go down – it's going to be a th- – down to the end of the third period game. It's not going to be what it was last year. It's not going to be Minnesota getting hot early or Mankato getting hot early. I think it's going to be a back and forth game to the end. And uh, it should be entertaining, even though now it's on ESPN U instead of ESPN two. So unreal, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> yeah. But well, um, well, just for those who are listening in case they're going to tune in. Uh, well, maybe no, they can't unless you have a subscription to uh, oh geez, I can't even tell. Um, I want to bring in both Max and Noah on this because you know what this matchup guarantees is at least one Minnesota team in the national championship game. Although I think if we all had our way, this would be the national championship game. Um, I, I suppose I'll start with Noah. Your thoughts on the Mavericks versus the Gophers matchup, and you know, I guess does anybody really have an advantage here? These are two pretty good hockey teams that are playing solid and uh. Uh, there's not a lot of room out there between these two squads. Well, kind of cliche, but the team that has an advantage is the one that's able to create their own advantage by imposing their will on the other. And I know that sounds very hockey-esque, but what I mean by that is, is. Uh, I mean, if you want to go back all uh, 2003, I know we all forget about that second national championship, but, uh, you know, Matty Nyes could be the new Thomas Vanek. Who knows? Uh, as we go through this tournament, his performance against UNH was pretty unreal. Mighty uh, nice, though, doesn't uh, stop inside the blue line with a pull-up backhand sauce across the <laughs> middle of the ice, so that's good. He's also not from Austria, so there's your first problem. Uh, right. But but beyond that, uh, the thing that's kind of interesting is that Minnesota, uh, they're winners of 11 of their last 12, minus the Big Ten championship game. And ever since they had goaltending changes and they had injuries, everyone kind of wrote them off. And they've suddenly gotten hot at the right time. And... Part of that, I don't think, comes down to just luck. It's the fact that, especially uh, Drew and I talked about this before the show, they found a way to kind of impose their offensive will on other teams. They're composed. They're clean coming out of their own zone, chipping pucks past defensemen. Wingers are getting the job done right away, allowing them to transition cleanly and move north every time. And offensively, they're not a team that 
essentially they don't dominate in the offensive zone, but they kind of bide their time. They're really selective about, is this a good time to dump and chase and change, or is this a good time to kind of be opportunistic and start a cycle and that sort of thing. They play the game so cerebrally well. Now on the other side, Mankato, they're kind of interesting and either they'll take whatever game plan you give them and either match that pound for pound, or they'll do the exact opposite and try to counter with that. They're really good at adjusting based on, you know, what, the other team gives them and kind of giving a different look um, and really kind of adapting to, is it going to be a high scoring game? Is it going to be a low scoring game? And they're able to play both ways. Thanks to their goaltender and Dryden McKay and their structure in front of them. So I really don't know who has the edge in this one. Uh, this one, uh, to be honest, probably has overtime or final minutes of regulation written all over it. And for Max, who uh, was last spoke with us from the mountaintops and now uh, with light, uh, you know, adjustments in the Batcave. Uh, so that's been kind of fun. But Max, uh, anything to add to that? Again, this is this is a hell of a matchup uh, on paper and uh, really hard to find uh, an edge for either team that's glaring, per se. Yeah, I think it was uh, pretty clear what um, Western Michigan needed to do if they wanted to beat Minnesota, and that was shut down uh, Nyes and Meyer and the, the high-powered offense that the Gophers have, and they just absolutely could not do it. They, they seemed like they were overwhelmed for a large part of that game. Um, what I will say is that I think uh, Mankato obviously has a little bit more stout goaltending that they can rely on when they get into some more sticky situations. So if the Minnesota State defense can find a way to at least shut one of those guys down or or at least more than uh, Western Michigan did in those semis, I, I think there'll be a, a much closer game, especially from a, a gameplay perspective. So I think that's obviously the obvious answer. Um, everybody's been trying to do that for a good portion of the year. It's just a matter of, of how you can actually do that. Um, and then, you know, Minnesota State needs to have a little bit more goal scoring. Um, I know uh, Notre Dame is a really good team at shutting people down. They have been. They shut Michigan down four times this year in that same style of play. And they they found a way, Minnesota State, that is, to, to, to beat that system. So if they can get um, Smith and Napravnik and um, Sandlin going on, on some of those offensive rushes, I, I think it's going to be a, a much closer game. And if we're going to give away rooting interest right now, it's it's a tough call for me because obviously they're both Minnesota schools. Maroon and gold fits the, the Bulldog scheme a little bit better and they're, <laughs> they're tied a little bit more closely. So that would be great to see. Um, but I think, you know, given that a Sandlin would be in the final again and there's a couple more Hermantown kids on that Minnesota State team, I'm probably leaning more that way. I just don't have any any shirts. So if there's a, a Minnesota State representative listening that wants to send me something, <laughs> let me know. I'd be happy to wear it. Let's talk about DraftKings. The beautiful DraftKings. Just what a sponsor. So let's talk about it. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. My God. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, number one, figure it out. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $100. 
$50 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shameless plug, right? Um, Drew and uh, and Ryan, uh, a quick note because you know you you talk about you know sort of the most dangerous threat on the ice up front, right? For Minnesota, it's obviously Matthew Nyes. It's probably Nathan Smith for Minnesota State. Maybe it's Ryan Sandlin. Um, they're going to command a lot of attention, but there is a balance here, right? And Ryan, I want to start with you. If you give those guys too much attention, um, that means you're leaving other people available as well so how do you balance trying to contain these offensive players without also over committing and doing a little bit too much or ryan i'll start with you that's a tough task <laughs> that's the question i think <laughs> i think bob motzko is probably asking himself that right now it's uh there's so many weapons on mankato's roster i mean smith is probably the more well-known nationally you know being an olympian and stuff like that but julian napravic julian napravnik is very very good you have brendan furry who's great you know you got there's a lot of guys who can step in when other guys are you know maybe getting covered too much so i'm not sure if you can really truly completely shut down mankato you know, you're going to have to – this is why I'm not a coach. I don't have a strategy to try to <laughs> But, like, I think you just have to be willing to know that some guys, they're, they're going to find ways to get open. Mankato players are because that's just the case for everybody. But just, you know, just do what they can. you got to stop them transitionally because they love to race up the ice and pass make these long – pass i mean i watched them do it against bemidji and st thomas and i was in mankato watched them do it against northern in the playoffs they'll send a guy streaking down the middle and they'll send a long pass way to the other blue line and the guy will get it and get a breakaway that's just kind of who they are they love to go fast and minnesota i think if they can just slow them down you're not going to be able to stop mankato but if you can just slow them down i think they'll be able to you know keep pace and make this from keep Mankato from erupting at the, that they've known to do. They can keep pace and make it a close game. That's going to last the entire game. I really, I really want to coach Ryan though. That would be so amazing. All right, boys. Well, we're probably not going to stop them entirely, but we should try to do it a lot. And if we score more, that would be really helpful. Yes. All right, let's go guys. Let's. <laughs> and, and drew to Ryan's point. I mean, he, he has actually some validation there. You're never going to really be able to take everything away from some of these high power guys, but it's almost to what AIC does a little bit. Whereas their game plan against Michigan. Uh, and I was talking with uh, uh, a serious XM's, you know, a prospect writer for most of this, uh, most of the weekend. And we we sort of figured out AIC system. I mean, in fact, he actually went in between the first and second intermission and said, hey, is this what you guys doing? That's what we've seen. He goes, yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do, which is if you're going to give him space, you give it to him in those non-high danger areas, right? You're showing him almost trying to give uh, to kind of, you know, bait them into taking some of those lower percentage shots. Uh, I, I guess for Mankato, same question. I mean, how, how do you sort of limit those great A's? And more importantly, you know, how key is your back end going to be as much talk as, you know, Matthew Nyes gets and also Ben Myers? How important is Brock Faber going to be in this matchup? He's going to be incredibly important. And I, I, I mean, yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth with Ben Myers there, but I think, they're going to have to keep these guys to the periphery, um, get them to take low danger chances. They're going to have to use their physicality that they have. I mean, with the Matt Stoddickers of the world, um, 
Jackson Lacombe is going to have to use his skating ability to kind of bait some guys into into, into going for the puck in the corner and have kind of on breakout type situations. Um, but I think the one of the main reasons that they're going to really need to be uh, that'll that I think that'll help them this weekend is uh, the the pickup of Grant Cruikshank in the in the off season. I think of uh, a guy transferring here like that. Um, I think this is the kind of game why Bob wanted him on this team. Um, he obviously didn't perform. I don't think as many uh, as many had hoped he would um, on the score sheet during the regular season. But I think his experience um, and kind of dedication to that uh, defensive type type situations and being kind of a bigger, physical, older guy. I think that's it's it, it basically it's taking a player and saying, okay, this is a this is a guy who would fit in on the Minnesota State roster. Let's put him on our team to see. So it once that matchup happens again, not that it's like the NHL into this, but after the New York Rangers, after Panarin got smoked by uh, Tom Wilson, the Rangers loaded up on big guys, and bam, and they, now they're all of a sudden really good. Not the same kind of, uh, not the same kind of approach, you know. But um, to say that they got a whole lot older with uh, Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin still here as very response responsible defensive guys, speedy defensive guys. I think those those two players are really going to help out a lot. Um, Grant Kirkshank is going to be invaluable there. Um, and not to mention, too, some of the, the freshman breakouts, too. Uh, Rhett Pitlick and uh, Tristan Bros, I think, had some really good shifts in that uh, uh, in the in the regional championship game um, that really made it um, really made it tough on Western players. And they kind of pushed them up against the board saying, whoa, I didn't expect them to be here. Like this is I'm kind of being forced into into these other into these pretty rushed, hurried, bad passes. Um, and I think they're going to, it's going to take a whole team effort to stop, uh, to, to eventually stop uh, Mankato throughout the whole weekend but, or not the whole weekend, just the, obviously the one game, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole team effort and it's going to start with, uh, with those older guys, and, uh, uh, just the, the back end to and Brock Faber. I mean, you mentioned it right at the start. It's just going to be a whole team effort for sure. It's going to be a hell of a hockey game and one that I think all of us will be watching um, real quick, um, you know, because we've already sort of predicted the brackets here. But let's just briefly discuss the other national semifinal with Denver as well as Michigan. Uh, Michigan's talent on display um, also on display is that it doesn't seem like we've seen all of Michigan either. Um, watching the game against AIC, and they even admitted uh, uh, Brisson was like, yeah, we, we kind of got away from our game, uh, meaning we're comfortable, we're dangling, we could you know probably run up the score, but we're not. Um, so the lights haven't been as big for them yet, but they're going to face one tough upfront opponent with Denver. Uh, Max, I want to start with you since you saw Denver um, you know, a little bit more this year with the NCHC, uh, you know, uh, matchups per se um can denver shut down michigan and if so how do they do it yeah i i would say that if there's a team in this tournament that can do it it, it probably is denver and uh it's not because of denver's goalie i'll say that right now magnus krona has had a, a couple of weak spots and he's been exposed quite a few different times um you saw him having a little bit of trouble tracking the puck against umd when they were playing so if michigan can get into that offensive zone uh, I think they could be in trouble pretty quickly, but Denver does something very well, and that's limit the ability to get into the zone. I mean, you saw it in that that game against UMD and a couple other games this year already. They kind of controlled the neutral zone there. They limited the north-south passes and and skating in general. They made you move laterally, and it's it's a bit of a different game plan than than Michigan has seen at least recently. And I don't I don't know if they've seen 
that level of physicality and and game plan yet this year. Um, with that being said, like I said, if they are in the offensive zone, that's where they're going to thrive because they do that tic-tac-toe passing better than probably anyone in, in the NCAA this year. So if they can win the neutral zone battle there and keep pressure um, on Portillo, um, I, I think that Denver is going to have that that locked up. Um, Bobby Brink uh, is is as advertised. Um, he's going to be a weapon that is is going to be you know pestering Owen Power. And speaking of pestering, Carter Savoy was somebody I, I didn't know that I had um, a healthy respect and disdain for at the same time. <laughs> uh, he is very much, um, if we're going to do an NHL comp, uh, a Brad Marchand or just, a, he's, I don't yeah. want to call him a rat because he's he's a young kid out there playing playing good <laughs> hockey, but man, does he bother players and he's not afraid to, to chalk it up to a, a couple of arguments on the ice and get into it with whoever's out there. Size is, is not a factor for him either. So, um, if they can get well, under their skin and control that neutral zone, it's it's going to be a, a long day for the Wolverines. Well, thankfully for that face mask, though, Matt, uh, Max, you don't have any uh, licking action going on a la That's Brad right. Marchand. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. the face mask, your favorite, right? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, know what this goes now to to you. Um, you know, the the one thing that we know we saw again was this, you know, sort of those NHL style of offense, you know, from Michigan against AIC. It's it's the way they get into the zone on entries. It's the way they do the quick passing, the way they are able to sort of catch you puck watching, if anything, is probably the, the best description. Um, that will be, again, on full display here. Um, and again, I'm not sure if we've seen the full throttle Michigan yet in this tournament. I don't think we have. Um, so I guess my question to you is, is, you know, what more can we expect from Michigan? And, you know, Portillo, as good as he's been, he, to me, he really hasn't been tested that much. Um, and again, with Quinnipiac, he's actually given up, he's given up a lot of goals so far. Well, you mentioned it uh, kind of right on the head there, Michigan. Maybe we haven't seen the full power of them yet, but maybe that plays into Denver's hands perfectly, right? A team that really hasn't had that test. I think about whoever comes out of that other bracket between Minnesota and Minnesota State. I mean, they have a fantastic chance to win it all, provided they don't beat the crap out of each other and go to six overtimes or whatever it might be. Um, you know, but on the other side, it's kind of weird to say that Michigan and Denver is potentially the the less strong bracket out of the two. And the reason I say that is Denver was very, very flat on that first night against UMass Lowell. I was actually kind of shocked how flat they came out. Uh, and they really didn't take it uh, to UMD that uh, the way that I thought they would. Ryan Fanti just ran out of luck, unfortunately, at the end of that hockey game as well. Now, Denver, statistically, very good hockey team, has had a very good season this year. But they're another team that really throughout most of the year until, until the NCHC playoffs really weren't tested that much either. So is that going to come back to bite both of these teams as well? Now, I think a Michigan is running full bore, all gears running, all parts clicking. I think they've got this hockey game. I think if they're anything but that, Denver really has a chance. But um, I have Michigan in my bracket just simply because I think Michigan just skill-based alone is probably the better team. But what Michigan team are we going to see? I'm not particularly sure. But whoever comes out of that side, I think is going to be shaking in their boots theoretically uh, against the matchup they have for the championship game. Cause that other side of the bracket, like we just talked about pretty scary. Very I wonder, scary. I was going to say, I wonder about Michigan's adversity and how yeah. they handle it. Cause they're a young like, group. Yeah. When AIC started to come back, you know, you started Michigan get a little shaky and then when Quinnipiac made its big run in the third period, you know, it was pretty obvious that Michigan was quaking a little bit at that point. Yeah. Then Rand, you know, pulled the goalie and, 
we all wouldn't happen after that. But it just I wonder if Denver gets a lead yeah. and maybe looks like they're in control. Can Michigan recover from that being such a young team and very individually talent based with all those NHL prospects? Can they handle the pressure of maybe coming back if Denver has a lead maybe in the third period. And isn't it kind of weird that quote that Nick had mentioned about how they talked about against AIC, how they kind of took their foot off the gas and they kind of, you know, stopped playing their game and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time I checked and uh, I'm a St. Cloud state fan. So uh, really the last time I checked uh, taking your foot off the gas is not recommended in the NCAAs. Just, <laughs> just a thought regardless of who you're playing, just ask Mankato on that or sorry, Minnesota state on that first night as well too. You never know, man. You never know. Very true. Um, Drew, I'm curious as to your thoughts on, on Michigan, Denver, and if, uh, you know, we we may see, you know, a little bit more wide open style, or do you think they lock it down? Uh, I guess, what do you expect in this matchup? Yeah, I think, I mean, I had it predicted that I think Denver will will win that game. Um, I think just the, the physical older style, um, versus the high flying young guns uh, type approach will will prevail in this in this sense um, as it often does in in this at this stage of the college hockey playoffs. Um, but you know, I mean, we we just kind of asked ourselves, man, what if Michigan had some kind of a way to face adversity? I mean, if only they had played, you know, they had a series against like know, Western Michigan or something this year. They could have like played a couple games against a team like Western. I mean, I feel like they'd be a lot more prepared for a situation like this. But you know, uh, I mean, sometimes you can't you can't get them all done. But uh, it, I, I think, I, I honestly do believe though, if they would have played a team like Western Michigan earlier in the season, they would they would be they'd be more prepared for a matchup like this because Minnesota most of the season I don't think played like they have in the last couple in the last couple of games. Um, so other than that, they really played Notre Dame a little bit. Notre Dame pretty kind of kind of lit them up for a little while. So I, I think Denver has a, has a really good chance in, in this game. And uh, I mean, who knows? It could be, I could be wrong too, because who knows they could get out to a three, nothing lead in the first five minutes and Michigan that is, and it would just, it'd blow their socks off and then they could afford to take their foot off the gas. And then uh, maybe they just get destroyed in the championship game though. No, I don't know, but uh, it, it would be a little, uh, I, I would definitely lean Denver and just kind of that, that heavier style and just, the way the way that goes and you, you do see how how good michigan is talent wise but there is there are some flaws in their games especially when they're playing this late in the season um and kind of having those lapses in game especially when they have leads and let's not even talk about had they lost to western michigan had they played that game at the tail end of 2021 our bracket looks very different very different very yeah. different Everything. um Real quick, boys, um, you know, because I think, you know, all kidding aside, you know, I think any one of us is rooting for that Minnesota bracket to uh, to eventually win it all. Um, but is Michigan the scarier team um, or is Denver the scarier team in the national championship game? Whoever comes out of the Gophers and the Mavericks matchup real quickly, 30 seconds. Uh, Max, we'll start with you. Uh, I think for Minnesota State, Denver has to be the, or I should say for Minnesota, Denver has to be the scarier matchup. They've they've played Michigan already this year a couple of times, so they know what they're getting into in that type of game. And I think that they've got enough film and um, they're used to playing the Big Ten style that, that they could figure out a way to do it. Um, for Minnesota State, I think it's got to be Michigan because then you're you're relying on McKay. There's a ton of pressure there. If he's letting in three goals, is that a, a cause of concern for him mentally in terms of where he's going to be at and are you going to be playing you know shot for shot essentially with with your superstars against theirs and 
I don't know that they've played that style all year. So it's it's a different team for each of the Minnesota schools that I think is going to be the, the tougher matchup. I want you. Yeah, you know, I, I actually am going to go the other way. I think Michigan's probably the worst matchup, actually, for the Golden Gophers. And the reason I say that is because a lot of those games between the two clubs this year have been kind of wide open in terms of the scoring spread. So it feels like one team kind of gets the jump and then the other isn't really able to counter. We saw a little bit of pushback at the tail end of the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I actually think Minnesota maybe wants Denver because Denver, from what I've seen so far in the NCHC playoffs and the NCAAs, uh, is probably uh, able to control that game against Denver a little bit more considering what the Pios have given. I think Mankato uh, maybe is more prone to run against a team like Michigan because they're probably going to be able to shut down that high-flying offense a little bit better. Uh, the Denver matchup is probably a little bit less advantageous for the Mavericks. Ryan? It's it's hard to say because I, I look at both teams and they, can, they present challenges to both teams. I'm going to say... Denver probably for Minnesota State's a little more just because I think, you know, they're so a little more inexperienced or more, you know, a little more locked down defense, defensively. I think Michigan, with their high-powered offense with all those prospects, you know, Minnesota State can counter that with they have a very, very good offense that has been documented multiple times this year. So I think they'll be they would be able to keep pace with that. And frankly, it'd be nice to see McKay truly tested in a tournament with a team like Michigan, because as Caleb would always say, McCain only faces 12 shots a game. So how good is he really? So, but he obviously usually, yeah. right. but, um, and on the other hand, I think uh, Michigan and Minnesota, I think, uh, I think what uh, Noah said pretty much nails it on the head. I think it's, yeah, they played each other during the season and they know each other well, but I think it's just Comparing the two teams, I think Michigan's more of a battle with Minnesota. And uh, I think it's going to be a close on both games. Drew, uh, your final thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, I think in terms of Man- who Mankato faces, I think I'd agree with Steve. It's just like it's it could be, you know, it could be a, a test for, for Dryden McKay, but it also, you know, the offense can kind of keep pace with, uh, with with Michigan too. But And then playing almost a similar style against uh, Denver, I don't know, that would be – um, kind of tough to determine which one would be tougher for me, but um, I think the, if the Gophers can get through Mankato, I think um, they'd be hard pressed against Michigan and just how how open that offense can be. Um, and I think it would still be a tough test, even though how good uh, Mankato's offense has been this year. I just still think that there's the, the explosiveness of Michigan, I think, is unlike any other team this year in terms of their offensive weapons, and it's, it's just it it goes down the lineup how how explosive they can be um, down the ice, and I think they'd still be a little scared at that, even just a little bit. Uh, not that they they go into a matchup scared, you know, but it'd be a it, I think it might be a little bit uh, a matchup they wouldn't necessarily want. So I think it'd be a little tougher test for them with Michigan there. It's certainly going to be tough, no matter what happens right here, boys. I, I think for me, you know, just a Michigan point, you kind of wonder, you know, how much, you know, talk about adversity, you know, they've always kind of been in control of hockey games, at least in the score, but it'd be interesting to see if they ever got down by two or even by three uh, to see how they would respond to that because you know that the talent is there, but had they really ever been forced you know, for lack of a better term, to climb a mountain. Because um, I think if you can almost turn the tables against Michigan and, and force them to try to, you know, come back at you, I think you kind of take away a lot of what they like to do um, offensively as well as defensively. It certainly will be something to watch. Um, before we sign off, uh, anybody else have any other parting, th- uh, parting thoughts, parting shots maybe? 
I, I don't have shots, but I just had one more thought about the Golden Gophers, by the way. Uh, talking about the, the advantages and disadvantages. Uh, how about the style of play that they've seen? The UMass team they saw, the Western Michigan team. How much does Denver fit that mold of a team that's a little more gritty and more heavy? And for whatever reason, Minnesota has found success against that. But uh, uh, in terms of Michigan, unfortunately, where's Notre Dame when you need them? Uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. Um, apparently one game away. Um, hashtag Broncos. <laughs> one one uh, goal away. One away. goal away, right. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, gentlemen, uh, that will do it for this week's episode. And by the time we come back here next week, it'll be just a day uh, prior uh, to the uh, national semifinals games. Uh, we'll we'll try to do a little bit more deep dive into those matchups as well as maybe recap some of the, uh, the teams that have uh, had their season ended and maybe some of the changes that have occurred. Uh, you know, specifically with St. Cloud uh, as well as UMD and maybe some others. So with that being said, I'm your host, Max, and thanks for watching here on MNCAA. We'll see you next week.